Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. And I'm glad that you're taking your time out of the day to spend it with me. And we are ending this week on friendships. We've spent the whole week talking about friendship and the power of friendship. And I wanted just to give you a couple of Bible verses that are really very inspiring and precious to me. And it's about this idea of when God talks about being our friend. And he says that he is an ever-present help in time of need. Now, that if that's not what a friend is, I don't know what else there is. But the Bible says that God is our ever-present help. He's the one you can run to, ask for any help at any time of day, anywhere you are, for any purpose you might need. And he just won't help you in your trouble. He'll also help you with yourself, right? So I want you to ask yourself, are you in need of God's help right now? Because the Bible has these great, wonderfully encouraging verses that help us to remind us to come to him for help in times of need. And so these verses, I just, I love these. This is Psalms 46. This is verses 1 through 3. And it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, God is our refuge and our strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So I want you to really think about that God is your friend, and he wants you to be his friend. So let's look at Psalms chapter 46. This is verses 8 through 11. And it says, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still. Know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I love that. Come and see what the Lord has done. He's done great things. He has conquered the evil one. So he's saying to us, the Almighty is with us. And we can really see what God has done in our life and to remind ourselves what God has done and to remind our friends what we've seen God do for them. Because these are the things that help strengthen us. So let's look at this. This is Hebrews chapter 4 and it's 14 through 16. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he is without sin. Let us then with confidence 
draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I think it's amazing. Think about this. We have a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But in every respect, he's experienced every possible thing that all of us have experienced and will experience. He knows it to the very cellular level of his body. And he was tempted, but he's without sin. So he can help us find a way. We can be confident that we're going to receive the mercy and find the grace that we need in our time of help and our time of need. So I love this one. This is Psalms 91, verse 14 through 16. And this is God. He says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I'll answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him, show my salvation. So this is what God is saying. Because you love me, hold fast to me. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to protect you because you know my name. And when you call me, I will answer you. And I will be with you in times of trouble. I will rescue you. Let's look at this next one, which is very, I mean, these are quite amazing when you really think about them. This is what a good friend he is to us. This is Psalms uh, chapter 18, and it's 6 through 19. It says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. When the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations also, the mountains trembled and quaked because God was angry. He was angry at the sin of the world and what it's done to people. So it goes on to say, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of the many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me for they were too mighty for me. But the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. So think about your friendships. One of the ways that we show our friendship to each other is that we have mercy on one another. We come alongside them. We hear their cries for help. They know they can call on us when they need something. And we help to be a support to them. And we delight in them, even though we are all sinful people. We delight in one another the way God does with us. So I want you to think about this. This idea of God is love. God is love. It's not a quality outside of himself. It's not like a resource that he accesses. See, we were made in God's image. We, were, we are born with the need for love. And the capacity to love and the desire to love. But we're not the resource of it. We receive it and we recycle it. It's like emotional bank accounts. And so I want you to think about the idea that taking advantage of the God of love, he is love. 
And that's our resource for each other. So the greatest example of God is that he left his home, his mansion, to find us and to be with us and died for us and wants to live with us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, I've said this to you before. Who do you want to be with all the time? Right? He never wants to be separated from us. So I want you to ask yourself some, some questions. How often we refer back to a person's home life as an explanation for why they act the way they do. And the home that we grew up in many times becomes our, our internal home. So even though we're not still living in that home, we reflect a lot of that home life. And I want you to ask yourself, is your inner world, your internal home changed because Jesus lives there? Are you practicing a Christian life? How do I love God? How do I love his people? Because you've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. See, if I allow abuse in my own internal home, in my own internal world, then how am I going to be prepared for the world of abuse and the heartache outside of me? Are you continually harming yourself by not loving you or caring for you? Are you a bad friend to yourself? See, my flesh is always leading me toward the ungodly, which is death, abuse, bloodshed, hiding, lying, withholding, judgment, condemnation, whatever it is. So if I acknowledge my sin and I allow God to be the judge and jury, then that's very honoring to him. But if I'm my own judge and jury, he doesn't take kindly to me usurping his authority. I don't judge myself. Because what we find oftentimes is the more judgmental we are toward ourselves, the more judgmental we are toward others. So I want you to think about this again. How can I be God's friend? I care about what God cares about. I care for what God cares for. I honor my master by loving and caring for the people that he loves and cares for, the people he died for. That means all people. That means me. See, love is a feeling, and it's, it's supposed to be put into an action form. So how do we love wisely? Well, we first love God. And then again, I care for what he loves. And in this way, I love God. I love his creation. See, this was Adam's original edict. He was supposed to care for the world that God gave him. And there was a never a doubt that Adam would not necessarily care for himself. But Satan came on the scene and abused God's kids. And all of a sudden, the children were no, were no longer cared for. And the world then began to experience abuse. So you want to think about this idea that there's a, a disturbingly false view of love and it's become popular among Christians. And this, this is this view that self-love is, is, is this essential and a prerequisite for loving others. So this way of thinking many times insists that we can't love God or others if we haven't first come to love ourselves. Now, there is some truth to this. 
But when self-love becomes a, a primary, the source of all our other loves, this is going to be hypocrisy. Because God is love. So I can't make that inside of myself. I can't have enough love for people. Now I'm going to love myself because God loves me. And that honors God. But taking all this time to love myself does not create more love for other people. So I want to learn what love is through God and how God loves. Then I'm able to care for me and love others well. So think about this verse. This is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your way of life be free from the love of money. Being content with what you have, for he himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What shall man do to me? Well, mortal man, yes, can hurt me. That's true. I mean, I love this verse because it helps me to kind of regroup. But lots of times we spend so much time trying not to be hurt by others that we protect ourselves in ways that cause us to be non-relational. So again, I want you to think about this. I need to honor my master to care for what he cares for, to care about who he cares about. That means all people. That means me. And I need to be responsible for the fact that love is a feeling and an intention, and it's put into action. So when you think about this idea of care, see the definition of the word care this is different. There's a difference between self-love and self-care. It's a subtle difference, but it's a really very, very powerful difference. So I usually say to people, I don't want you to practice self-love. I want you to practice self-care. See, God wants us to care about what he cares about. So what is the definition of the word care? It's close attention or careful heed. It's a liking or a regard for. It's protection. It's custody. It's something to watch over, to attain, attend to. It's responsibility. Caring is a responsibility. So when we look at caring or cared, it's, it's to feel concern or interest to care about others. It's to feel love or liking for. It's to take charge of or look after, provide for someone. So it's an act of love to take care of myself. It's sacrificial. I don't know about you, but I don't always want to. <laughs> I don't always want to take care of myself. I sometimes would rather take care of others. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm lazy, maybe I don't think I deserve it. Whatever it might be that you or I don't want to care about ourselves and care for ourselves. But I honor God and the people that love me when I take care of me. When I take care of the one they love, that causes them to feel loved. That's being a good friend. Imagine if you had, you know, your, your friends babysit your kids and they, they left them alone and, and went off and, and did something else. You want them to care about what you care about. Or how many times have you left your pet with someone and you really could, could feel relaxed because you knew that your pet was going to be taken care of? This is why being a friend of God means that you care for what he cares for. 
See, this is, this is what you want to think about. You want your heart to ache and to care and to break for the people that God has brought into your life. It's amazing to consider what the Lord has done in order to heal us, to save our very lives, to ensure our eternal lives will be with him. What he was willing to do, what he was willing to endure. Our pain, our heartache, our anger and disillusionment with him, and yet he still loves us. See, his love for us is greater than the need to feel happy and liked. His love is willing to endure conflict and the possibility of a lost relationship, all in the name of our health, our eternal safety, and our present ability to live out the life that he's given us. See, if I don't care for me, others suffer. Imagine if Jesus, Jesus neglected himself. He wouldn't be able to live out his life calling. What if he acted like a prima donna because of the love and adoration of others? Or what if he acted always like a victimized martyr, saying he wasn't worthy or important enough to be cared for? Would that be him loving himself? Would that be him caring for himself, for God, for all of us? You have to remind yourself, you are so valuable to God. And you have tremendous resources that he wants the world to enjoy. I mean, oftentimes, sadly, we're more willing to take care of the planet and all its resources than ourselves. We're willing to make all kinds of provisions and spend all kinds of money and sacrifice in ridiculous ways for plants and animals, but not for the people that, that we love or say we love. We take care of the exterior many times, but not the interior. You need to remember you are God's child. You belong to him, and he's depending on you to take care of you. How would you feel if you were fighting like crazy to make a safe world for everybody, and the people you were depending on neglected, ignored, indulged, instead of actually loving and caring? See, you know how much you love it when people, when, when the people that you love love the things that you love. So if you don't care for yourself, this is truly sinful. Because if I'm neglecting, harming, abusing the person that God died for, the one he loves, I'm not taking care of his creation. I'm a part of his creation. So I want you to be really convinced about the importance of self-care. What is your internal home like? Is, is there peace inside of you? Is there love inside of you? Is there grace? Or is there only abuse and anger, accusing, neglect, condemnation, judgment? See, if the enemy can get you to abuse yourself, you're doing his job for him. And he sits back and watches the wreckage and damage. It's just like an auto-deduction in your internal emotional bank account. So I want you to ask yourself, what happens inside of you? And would Jesus talk like that to you? Would Jesus talk to you the way you talk to yourself? Would you talk to other people the way you talk to yourself? 
It's amazing how we will talk to ourselves. And it would be mortifying to do it to someone else. So ask yourself, why is it okay for you to do to yourself what you would never do to others? So how, how do we practice self-care? Remind yourself again, if I don't care for me, others suffer. If you don't care for you, others suffer. So you're valuable to God with tremendous resources. And you have unique resources that nobody else has. So he's depending on you to take care of you. And the greatest commandment, right? You lay your life down for a friend. Agape love is that sacrificial love. I don't necessarily want to do it. My flesh wants to lead me to death. It's hard to take care of myself sometimes. But if Jesus is willing to be with me every minute of every day, then I need to take responsibility for being with me every minute of every day. Because I can't produce outside of myself what I don't have inside of me. So I need to honor my master to care for what he cares for and to care about what he cares about. That means all people, and that means me. And that means you. So love is a feeling, but it's an intention that's put into action. That's what true love is. So love means do no harm. How are you treating yourself? And the question isn't whether or not you're worth taking care of. That's already been established. God has done that. He has shown you how valuable you are. So it's not whether or not you're worth taking care of. It's whether or not you're willing to do it. It's not about a feeling because it doesn't come natural. I'm telling you, it's a sacrificial thing. Imagine on this planet if everyone just took really good care of themselves. And I don't mean indulgence. If we took good care of ourselves, we would be so much better relationally because we would have more energy to give to one another. We'd have more resiliency. We'd have more tolerance for the humanness. So ask yourself, what's the outcome of self-care? Well, what fruit is produced? Life. Life. That's where we get life. So God says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that interesting that we don't really talk about that? Love your neighbor as yourself. So, are, so the way you love yourself, are, is that okay to love your neighbors the same way or your friends? Think about this. God loves humans. Don't hate your own humanity. God doesn't. If you don't remember anything else about this, I just want you to take care of yourselves. I want you to know you're valuable, loved, and that the world needs you. The enemy wants you to think you don't matter, and that is a lie. So I want you to take good care of you. I want you to be your own best friend. And I want you to practice really loving your friendships and tending to your friendships and really enjoying being a friend of God. Have a blessed weekend. I look forward to talking to you next week. 
Thanks again for really participating on all the social media. And God bless you. You are his friend. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.